please note that this episode of Bits and Bricks contains instances of misuse of the Lego trademark, which must always be used as an adjective and never a noun. As a reminder, it is never appropriate to refer to the company that designs and produces Lego brand products as Lego. Rather, the correct name for the company overall is the Lego Group. I hope that was severe enough. Was it severe enough? We get- yeah, that was great, Ben. We got it. All right. On with the show. Bits and Bricks. Welcome to Bits and Bricks, a podcast about all things Lego games. I'm Ethan Vincent. And I'm Brian Crescenti. Together, we look back at the rich 25-year history of LEGO games, chat with early developers and seasoned studios who have all tackled the creation of video games for one of the most popular and respected toy companies in the world, the LEGO Group. I've been spending a lot of time lately checking out this new Lego game. Mm -hmm. it, it drops you into this massive world of beautiful grass fields, welcoming crystal blue lakes, car-sized flowers, waterfalls, mountains, trees. And of course, it's all made of Lego bricks. That sounds amazing. You know, it, it really is. Unfortunately, it's not something everyone can play. Ah, you're, you're talking about Lego Cube, aren't you? I am. Lego Cube is currently in open beta testing in China only, and it also happens to be the subject of this week's episode. Yes. We're going to be talking about why the Lego Group decided to invest in a game designed, at least initially, for release in China only, how the company went about finding the right partner and the work that went into creating the game. Yeah, and we're also going to be diving a bit into some of the unique challenges of developing and publishing a game in China. So when I first started playing Lego Cube, mm -hmm. it, you know, it reminded me, Ethan, a lot of the super popular game uh, Minecraft and, and also a little bit of uh, Roblox. Yes, why, why would you say that is? Well, you know, for the same reason that Minecraft initially reminded me of Lego Bricks, funny enough. Yeah. Lego Cube is this construction game and, and like Roblox, it has these sort of deep roots in user-generated content playing together online. And of course, it, it also draws at least some inspiration from some amazing Lego games that came before it. Uh, if you spend any time in the colorful landscapes of, of Lego Cube, you can't help but start to think about things like Lego Worlds or Lego minifigures online, or even, Ethan, Lego Universe. Yes, LEGO Universe, how can we forget that, right? When it launched in 2010, LEGO Universe let players build their own creations in the shared spaces called properties. Even though the game was more focused on exploration and role-playing in a multiplayer setting, and 2015's LEGO Minifigures Online delivered colorful adventures to the world of LEGO Bricks. The most influential LEGO game in LEGO Cube's design, though, released in 2017, LEGO Worlds put LEGO bricks and minifigs into the world of sandbox games, delivering massive open 3D procedurally generated spaces where players could explore and build. But in 2015, around the same time TT Games and the LEGO Group were announcing Worlds to the public, Another project, set for a China-only release, was quietly beginning to build steam with the help of the LEGO Group's Mickey Feldgard. I was approached about six years ago with the opportunity to move to China and help set up the um, Asia-Pacific market. And in connection with that, we were looking for various partners in China, as well as uh, publishers for video games in China and I was part of spearheading those efforts. We had some ideas towards what we would like to introduce on the market, but we didn't have any concrete at the moment. So it was really, uh, you know, built from the ground up, finding partners, finding a publishing partner, coming up with a great concept that was a fit for the partner as well as for us, and then hopefully get that launched in the market. I think at the very get-go of the Lego group moving into China, 
it was quite clear that we did not have the same history with customers in China as we had in the Western world. And therefore, there was a need to explain uh, the brand itself from the ground up and um, its uniqueness and its unique proposition and benefits. And so a lot more marketing went into sort of like starting from scratch and uh, telling all of the stories of the Lego group from the ground up. The Lego brick is an old invention by now. The first plastic brick was molded in 1949. At first, Mickey was based in South Korea, working with companies there like Nexon. He tried setting up business connections in China from South Korea, but didn't have much success. Mickey explains. We quickly discovered that trying to get into China or create experiences for the Chinese market was complicated to do from South Korea. And so we decided that would be best to be completely local and really sort of like get to understand the market and its unique facets by being in Shanghai. So now in Shanghai, Mickey began creating development footholds in China. But he quickly found that publishing a game in China isn't quite like it is in other parts of the world. We didn't have a lot of internal knowledge about this. So the first many months was spent on just really understanding that. How is it different? How do you do things? And trying to then figure out who could best help us with that in the case that we weren't able to directly publish ourselves. And that's where the search for publishing partners started as it became clear that it was quite difficult for a Western company to publish games in China on its own. And we ended up identifying Tencent as a a suitable partner for that. Mickey said that the Lego Group spoke with at least 15 companies in China before deciding on Tencent, a massive Chinese technology company and one of the largest game publishers in the world. They then spent the next year or so essentially courting Tencent as both a potential developer and publisher for their still unnamed game project. That included both meetings in the United States at game conventions like E3 and meetings in China. We had numerous interactions over the course of, I want to say, a year where we tried to hone in on what would this game be and what would make sense for them as well as for us and the local market. And I remember that in the very beginning, uh, it was very much focused on being a role-playing game kind of thing with a heavy focus on combat and not so much on creativity. So we then proceeded to spend maybe half a year really getting closer, much closer to one another in regards to Lego DNA and how do we incorporate building and creativity into the game. Initially, Tencent and its team at Next Studios had a very different idea for the game, and Mickey spent a lot of time introducing the team at Tencent to some of the ideals and philosophies of the Lego group and using those ideals to shape the game's development. The natural sort of like first step was uh, obviously to introduce them to our many uh, guidelines and manuals of documentation as to what kind of ways do you present the minifigure, how do you animate the minifigure, how do you portray various types of conflict, um, how do you best deal with combat in, in a child-friendly game, and stuff like that. Following that, and sort of like getting a shared understanding of of what this is, we then had multiple creative workshops in Sentian, in Tencent's office, around the game and explored various avenues as to how we could incorporate creativity and imagination into the game. And I remember in the first initial conversations, there was a lot on the table, and some of the ones that resonated the best with all of us were things like, if you were in a in a combat scene that you could then, instead of you know deploying your usual RPG shield, you would build a wall in front of you. And that wall would then have hit points and be able to take damage and therefore protect you. Building bridges to cross gaps in terrain and stuff like that, as well as providing more or less unlimited creativity in terms of crafting with various LEGO elements to build your tools or weapons but out of individual components or individual Lego bricks to make up sort of like the abilities that you would have and carry throughout the game. The original approach, Mickey said, 
felt a bit like the sandbox building play of LEGO Worlds for mobile. But over time, the LEGO group talked to Tencent and their development studio Next about incorporating more creativity, choice, and building into the experience. I think our focus and our wish was to make a game that would represent the LEGO group the best possible way and therefore incorporate a lot of building. And obviously, games like Roblox and and Minecraft have done that really well with with open-ended crafting and building modes. And I think we wanted to create not something that was the same, but had a similar feel in terms of being able to do what you want, explore where you want to go, and, you know, be more open-ended. About 18 months after Mickey Feldgard moved to China and about six months into working with Tencent, Mickey left China and handed the project off to his colleague, Ronnie Scherer. Now, before we dig into the development of LEGO Cube, I think it's important to take a bit of a break here and discuss China and Asia Pacific, or as some people call it, APAC, and why the LEGO group was putting so much effort into creating a game developed locally. What we want to do is sort of explain why the LEGO group hadn't decided to just go ahead and release the games they'd already made and, and what it was specifically about the Chinese market that made it so special. And there is no one better than Sean McAvoy, who currently heads up LEGO Games, to help explain that decision. The reason for that is that we want our gaming strategy to be as closely conjoined with our overall strategy for China and APAC as possible. And we recognized that a lot of our games portfolio was really crafted with a sort of Western audience in mind. And we really wanted to make sure that when we were thinking about games for China, specifically for mainland China, that we were working with world-class developers and experts in the Chinese gaming space to bring something that was going to be relevant to that audience, as opposed to trying to sort of emulate gameplay or gaming experiences that we had created in the past that really, again, were I think primarily for different regions, uh, you know, and different audiences. We wanted to make something that was specifically for China. Lego bricks have been a beloved part of play for kids and adults for generations. That's not the case in China, though, where Lego bricks didn't officially arrive until 1993 with the opening of a small third-party store in Beijing. In 2001, the company lined up an exclusive distributor from mainland China, and 15 years later, in 2016, the LEGO Group launched its first flagship store there, a gorgeous two-floor store by Disneyland in Shanghai. The LEGO Group now has four flagship stores in China and plans to greatly increase the number of stores there by the end of 2021. The company's expansion in China also includes growing digital efforts, and of course, video games. And that brings us back to Sean McAvoy. So in terms of uh, sort of big picture, how important is China to LEGO games and the LEGO group? And how important is LEGO Cube to that effort? Yeah, hugely important both to the LEGO group and certainly to LEGO games. Um, And I can really speak to it in terms of LEGO games strategy and our aspirations to be a games business that offers play experiences for the whole world, but also really focuses on the play experiences that are going to be most relevant and most appealing to audiences regionally. So that was why we decided to and had had the great opportunity to partner with Tencent on the creation of the creative sandbox title LEGO Cube. And again, that initiative really was about bringing experiences that would be highly relevant and recognizable to a mainland Chinese audience of kids and families and fans of the LEGO group of all ages via that great creative and gameplay experience. We wanted to double down on that notion of this has to be created in China and it has to be created for a Chinese audience. And to do that, the LEGO group knew it needed to have someone on site, helping to build direct relationships with the developers in China and assemble a team in the country. In September 2017, the LEGO group signed an agreement with Tencent to have them develop a creative sandbox game for release in China. It was the same fall that Mickey Feltgard handed off his position to Ronnie Scherer. 
back in you know 2016, 2017, when we started to explore the opportunity of releasing games that were Lego branded in China. At the time, we felt that the best way to address the Chinese audience was to make something in China with a Chinese team that would understand all the taste patterns and interests and navigate the industry landscape and the legislative landscape in China as a starting point. As of 2020, China is the largest market in the world for video games, accounting for more than 27% of global revenue for the video game industry. That's 2% more than North America, which is now the second biggest, and 5% more than Asia Pacific, which is the third largest. It's also important to note how quickly game industry revenue grew in China. In the past 10 years alone, total China game industry revenue grew by about 760%. And much of that growth is in mobile games. Basically, the games market, and I'm quoting roughly 2020 numbers, the games market in China in 2020 was roughly 80% mobile and 20% PC. It's a little more nuanced than that, but console is essentially non-existing. And mobile devices are ubiquitous, especially in the developed parts of mainland China. So it was kind of a a no-brainer for us that if we wanted to reach kids and families, we would have to do something that was mobile first. Having said that, there is, of course, a niche market for our traditional titles on console and PC and what have you. But it's just not a way to build a strong brand and reach as many children and the families as possible. So mobile was kind of an obvious, like there was no other choice. And really, if you look at the development of the Chinese games industry, games have been around China for a long, long time. You know, my my team members in Shanghai talk about growing up playing games. You know, these are people that are, you know, in their 30s and 40s today. So if you look at the chart of the size of the Chinese video game industry, going back to, let's say, late 1990s when China started to open up, it basically disappears as a flat line close to zero until the introduction of smart devices and the iPhone in particular. And then you see the explosion of affordable Android devices that are able to play games. So so mobile games really fueled their, their growth as well. Lego Cube was quite a monumental undertaking. It was ambitious and a creation designed to tick a lot of boxes. Ronnie Scherer explains what the game was trying to accomplish. Lego Cube is a open-ended sandbox game that is best described as take the best of Lego worlds, combined with the best of Minecraft, and combine that with the best of Roblox, and then build it for mobile first. It sort of had these inherent Lego values in its core design, which was all about creativity and open-ended play and exploration. And that combined with a platform of which players could make their own worlds and share those with the rest of the player community in an easy way from your mobile device. Tencent handed the project to its next studio, which is based in Shenzhen with an office in Shanghai. Ronnie helped build a local Lego group team to support the Tencent developers. So that that was kind of my main priority to, to begin with was one, make sure that the next studio team had what they needed in order to progress in terms of support for assets, approvals, guidance, you name it, whatever it takes to create a Lego branded game but also to identify and hire team members on our own side that would speak Chinese and understand the games industry in China and in that way help us create a stronger connection between the Lego Group and Tencent and Next Studio in Shenzhen in particular. I remember clearly arriving in China for the first time. Like this, this project was my actual first time visiting China. And so there was, of course, a lot of 
personal adjustments and trying to figure things out in a country that is completely foreign to me in so many aspects from language to culture to food to food safety to just getting around in Shanghai that is this incredible metropolis the size or even bigger than uh, New York City. And so uh, the first stage was just to really figure out the ins and outs of navigating that and getting recruitment started. Between the fall of 17 and March of 18, when I recruited our first local employee in China, that was really the focus. Once we had Long on board, which was our first employee in, uh, in China, the focus went on to actually getting the game developed, tested, and prepared for launch as quickly as possible. So that took about another year and a half almost until the August of 19 when the game soft launched. Among the first wave of LEGO Games employees hired in China were associate product lead Nanan Li and senior product lead Long Cao. Nanan Li was already working with the LEGO Group as a graphic designer when Ronnie started hiring for the LEGO Games team. Ronnie came in like an invading force, Nanan said. He was almost like the women army landed in China from Beiland. I remember that quite vividly. Yeah, like he has his very iconic hairstyle. <laughs> so you see the Spanish guy looking around, walking around in the office, but apparently he is, um, he was alone, which means there's no team. And he, he talked with um, most of uh, other departments and he's, he was really friendly. And he loved to make friends and, and that's pretty much how I, I, I knew him. And then by then he said, okay, I'm, I'm here new. I'm starting a new team in China and and soon or later, he recruited Long Hong, who was actually the first um, local hired employee of our Lego games team in China. And yeah, so that's the, the whole, the, how the team started slowly. Long Cao said his job at Lego games started with a phone call and a name drop. I was called by a headhunter and she mentioned the name Lego and I was never thought uh, Lego has been, you know, doing games and was set up studio in China, and uh, and I was uh, super interested. And uh, for another reason, which is uh, I was a big fan of Lego bricks. That was uh, I couldn't have that much Lego experiences during my childhood. But um, my son was around uh, 12 years old. I got him uh, a lot of uh, Lego bricks, and uh, until later he joined the Lego club team of his school. So I'm a, we both a big fan of Lego toy. Then I was uh, super interested. And uh, then I um, took an interview, talked to Ronnie, and uh, uh, I found this uh, fascinating. When both Nanan and Long started, Lego Cube was still very much in the early stages of development. About 30 people were working on the game, which hadn't yet been announced. The game was officially unveiled in September 2018, about a year after Ronnie moved to China. In the announcement, the LEGO Group called LEGO Cube the first game developed under the strategic partnership between the LEGO Group and Tencent, and noted that the game was expected to be publicly available by the end of 2018. With the release window now public, Nanan said the game's development and recruitment for the game's dev team sped up exponentially, eventually hitting about 70 employees. When I first come on board, that was right on the acceleration of the development. So my main responsibility was uh, work with the uh, Tencent team on a daily basis, communication on basically looking at all the assets and the gameplay and feature and all the system to make sure everything is in compliance with the LEGO standard. And of course, helping setting up the uh, art direction and doing a lot of assets approval and review and approval commenting, and of course, working with long with the team and to make sure we have a Lego compliant game and that's safe and, and fun to play with the kids. And also I helped a lot making sure the, the marketing assets and all the marketing campaign goes well as well. Long Cao's focus as senior product lead was managing the direction of the game and making sure that LEGO Cube met the LEGO Group's expectation for quality, fun, creativity, and safety. 
He said it was clear from the beginning that Tencent hoped to create a sandbox game that could rival the likes of Minecraft, something that has eluded the LEGO group for years. There are many, many types of sandbox games in this genre that all come from Minecraft, and it's getting super popular worldwide. And back then, there were a lot of uh, developers from Tencent. Uh, they initiated the project and uh, want to, you know, deliver a game in that uh, genre. And when they built this uh, prototype, people were saying, Lego is digital bricks and uh, it's a natural fit. We all feel Lego has a true passion in bringing, you know, digital formats of, uh, of Lego into you know, game space. And uh, this type of sandbox creation, sandbox UGC platform. So there is a natural fit. It's a natural fit. Already a complex game, one designed to be mobile first and deliver an open sandbox to players who could build and share their own creations with friends, the game was also, importantly, meant to reflect not just the LEGO Group's values, but those of the Chinese market and its culture. Um, considering the uh, existing sandbox game players in China are younger and uh, not familiar with this you know, UGC type of platform, we added a lot of uh, tutorial and make it uh, easier to get into. Not like when you are first time to play Minecraft, uh, you need to learn a lot. Either ask a friend or you know, learn by yourself. Here in the game design, it's really trying to lower the barrier. But it's not really with China only thinking when making every design. It's fun and it's working. Let's put it into the game. So Brian, let's pause here and talk a little bit about the game and, and some of the cultural references that you can notice in the game. Um, Long said that they include, you know, content that was inspired by Chinese literature, history, uh, holidays uh, like, you know, the Lunar New Year and the Dragon Boat Festival and uh, Children's Day. There's just a, a load of things in there that are uniquely Chinese, wouldn't you say? Yeah, you know, you're right. Uh, also, and, and maybe this goes without saying, but obviously everything in the game is in Chinese. And what that means is that there are no, absolutely no other additional sort of user interface considerations for other languages. And in general, there's just sort of this design aesthetic that is, I think, familiar or would be familiar to you if you've seen what sort of, you know, a traditional Chinese web page looks like. That means there's a lot more going on. It's a much more complex design. It's a very busy design. So I think also in addition to this design you're talking about and just kind of the, this saturated, you know, unique Chinese way of, of presenting information, there's also player events, I believe. They're, they're around Chinese school holidays and things like that where, you know, players can get together and, and throw these events. Yeah. And of course, uh, you know, the Lego group has always been very careful about safety measures and making sure what they create is something that parents would be comfortable with their children playing. In this case, China has a number of specific local sort of legislation regulations in terms of time limits and, and things like that. And all of that's built into the game. It's something unusual. If you haven't played a game that's developed specifically for China, you wouldn't probably run into this typically. Yeah. And you know, what the LEGO group has done, uh, just sort of to reiterate, is instead of just creating a game that they want to release in China, they've actually gone to China. Uh, they found a publisher, Tencent, and then with that publisher decided to work with them as a developer you know, a Chinese developer that, you know, is creating the game that is completely immersed in Chinese values and Chinese culture and Chinese design. And it's very obvious when you see the game. And, and at the same time, Tencent's next studio had to make sure what it was creating was in compliance with the LEGO Group's own high standard and brand compliance rules. Nanan Li explains. We have very high standard of quality in terms of art and how the uh, Lego elements, the minifigures or the bricks um, have to be represented in a certain way. And this is very new to uh, the next studio, the Tencent team. So on this part, the whole brand compliance part really took us a, a, quite a long time to, to get it right. 
And indeed, we did a lot of rounds of iterations and changes and find what is exactly the right color of the Lego bricks and what is exactly the right texture of all these plastics and especially how the uh, bricks proportion have to come exactly one to one with minifigures and you don't have to, you, you cannot um, size up and size down these random layers, like just treat as general cubicles. So that took quite a, yeah, a journey, a learning curve from both of us. Um, but eventually I think they really got it correct and they made really high quality um, art for, for the whole game, which both of us are very proud of that. Ronnie said he was impressed with the level of commitment the studio showed as it worked to capture an elusive formula, making a game that is meant to be, essentially, Minecraft meets Roblox on a mobile platform infused with Lego group and Chinese values. Here's the thing that I learned from doing this compared to any other game I've worked with on the West. The commitment and the velocity of how things came together there was a long lead up with prototypes and things prior to actually kicking off the project. But from the actual, like now we go into production to the game was done. I've never experienced anything like it in my career. Like that just happened really, really fast. And the team was incredibly committed and hardworking more than I've seen anywhere else in the world. That meant, of course, that the game was getting quite mature quite quickly. But it's sort of a phrase that people sometimes use, uh, you know, that is uh, China speed. Things are happening at China speed. And that is kind of, you know, when when the train leaves the, the platform, it, it just runs really fast. There's, of course, uh, that, that comes with some other challenges, like making sure that you're on the right tracks or that you're going in the right direction because you're moving fast. And so any any error in that, of course, will will take you in the, to the wrong place or maybe you know, a better place than you anticipated, but it, it will move you very quickly. I really enjoyed to be part of that and witness that. Of course, the next studio team did all the heavy lifting and we were kind of just trying to remove as many impediments and uh, help them as much as possible. Development on the game and incorporating the LEGO DNA into a game created outside of the company in a new region for the company also came with some interesting lessons, Ronnie said. It was quite an interesting journey to try and make sure that all of our wonderful values and ideals for the brand and the LEGO DNA was sort of translated in the best way possible into both Chinese language but also Chinese culture. and to sort of figure out like how does all of the things that we aspire to do globally, how does that apply or not, or how do we adjust that or not to the Chinese context? The team did a number of closed tests for LEGO Cube, and then the game was soft-launched on August 8, 2019. An auspicious date in China because the number 8 is considered lucky. And that luck seemed to hold at least for a while. LEGO Cube in soft launch has done phenomenally well by our standards. It's been consistently in the top three performing titles in terms of reach and engagement. Currently, the game features four major modes. In survival mode, players explore the world, collect materials and craft tools they use to create other items that help them survive. Then there is the user-generated content platform which allows players to create their own experiences and games inside the game, and then invite players to come and play the game with them. The third mode is creation mode that gives players plenty of open space, all of the bricks they want, and allows them to build anything they can imagine. The final mode is parties, which features the Lego park, a land where you can build your house and live a minifig life. What the game doesn't feature at least not yet, is any way to make money. That's because it still hasn't officially launched yet. To understand why LEGO Cube remains essentially still half-launched, now nearly two years since it first went live, you need to understand China, specifically how businesses operate there and how games are published. Ronnie Scher explains. In order to release a game with a foreign brand, 
In China, you uh, need to acquire two different kinds of uh, permits. One is an ISBN license that's akin to an ISBN license in the West for releases of uh, books and what have you. The second part is a publishing license, which you cannot, for either of them, acquire that as a foreign company. You need to be a Chinese-owned entity in order to apply for and receive those permits. To obtain those licenses in China, a company has to go through companies that the local government trusts will respect Chinese culture and local regulation. That's true of anything that conveys any sort of message to the public or allows the public to communicate with one another. But internet culture products are considered even more sensitive. A game like Lego Cube needs this prior approval but can, in some cases, still be soft-launched to the public for testing, as long as it follows the regulatory requirements and does not charge its players without all the approvals. Now drop into this complex system a change that hit in early 2018 when there was an organizational restructure within the group that led the approval process. That led to a temporary freeze in the authorization of new game licenses, which lasted for the rest of the year. And then in 2019, China enacted new laws regulating video game playing time for minors, which also now has to be addressed in game design. While the approval process is once again active, the change in regulation and licensing has created some challenges for games not yet approved, and a longer delay for those seeking approval. Essentially, there's a line to get approval, and LEGO Cube is still waiting in it. So right now, our goal is to find a way to sustain the game for long enough that we'll be able to monetize it eventually, to ensure that we also deliver value back to Tencent, who's been a great partner on this, and of course is investing significantly in this joint effort to reach the Chinese audience. The LEGO group Sean McAvoy says that there aren't any current plans to release LEGO Cube outside of mainland China. I think one thing that has really been evident to us as a team and via our partnership with Tencent is that there are tremendous learnings in terms of play experiences that could be broadly extensible worldwide to an audience of fans of LEGO play anywhere in the world that those learnings that we were able to experience on, you know, via the creation of Lego Cube, they do not have to stay, you know, exclusive to mainland China. They're extensible worldwide. And so even if the game stays within the borders of mainland China, we really feel like there are global benefits to that experience in social creative play and in bringing world-class experiences of child safety and, you know, structures for fair and transparent monetization. All of those were aspects of LEGO Cube's development that we partnered very closely with Tencent on. And as a team, we learned a tremendous amount that we really do feel like will be extensible to, to the broader business and to many audiences worldwide. For now... The LEGO Group, publisher Tencent, and its Team Next Studios are maintaining the game in its current state. A big part of that effort is the game's ability to allow players to create their own content, something that Tencent keeps a close eye on to ensure it's appropriate before it can be viewed by other players. Nanan said the company also regularly hosts community events such as competitions, which help players remain active and encourage more user-created content. The result has been some inspiring creations, she said. That was one player. His daytime job is a firefighter. And he is a, he is a sandbox creator and he really loves to play with our game. So he created a series of mini games in Lego Cube to not say teach, but more like educational and teaching on um, the safety instructions of once and um, how you escape from the fire and um, and all this firefighter educations and the stories, scenarios played in the game. So that was quite fun. Yeah, and I think, and I believe also he made some videos by combining some um, Lego toy as a um, physical toy animation and, and some in-game play and simulation of uh, in, in, the, in the fire section, how the firefighter comes to save you and all these safety, safety instructions. 
and all together. So that was a quite interesting piece. There are actually quite a lot of different mini games you can create within a Lego Cube platform. And the adventure, roleplay adventure, and there's a lot of um, puzzle, like you solve some quiz, and a lot of running games, and also a lot of kind of shooting. Of course, kids love shooting. <laughs> Long Xiao has a few favorite creations from the game as well. Yeah, I made one creation. That's it's my favorite part to uh, introduce to uh, to my colleagues and friends. So I build a castle, and I also. Add a story. It's an action game. Uh, you control a knight and to fight the monsters and save the princess in the inn who is uh, trapped in the castle. So you can learn a lot of uh, ways how to build a castle, build a bridge, build the elements surrounded, and also you can control the knights. Then you can control where the monsters will come and uh, also how you interact with the elements. It's a really fun part, so yeah, that is my favorite part. But uh, in the game, there are you know many many diversified games in terms of genres. There are racing game, there are action games, and also there are some、uh, platform jumping game, and also、uh, there are RPG games, puzzle solving games. It's、um, like what we always say: the only limitation is your imagination. Now, Brian, you were pretty lucky because you got to play the game, download it. I've only been viewing these YouTube clips of individuals playing the game and just get a little insight that way. And it's it's pretty amazing to look at.、Uh, just kind of a beautiful game with with lots of recognizable things that you obviously you know know from other games. But it was just really cool to see it、uh, and to watch people play there. What was it like to to play the game? Yeah, so、uh, you know, first off, again, this is a game that was designed to only be available in China, and what that means for someone who's not in China is to get this game, what you have to do is create a account in China, because I've been doing this for so long. I have accounts all over the world, and so I, yeah, I, I hopped into my account in China, downloaded the game. And、uh, obviously, the first thing I noticed was everything's in Chinese. That's sort of a no-brainer. But、yeah. um, one of the things that's interesting is, so I'm going through this and sort of having to guess what I have to do to create my minifig, which is sort of your first step, and like proceed. And one of the, it's this is a really weird little tiny thing, but it's something noticeable.、Uh, a lot of times when you play games in Europe and in uh, uh, North America. The button. There's usually two button choices, right? You know, you could say yes or no, essentially. And the button, the the yes button is usually green, and the no button is usually red. Well, in Lego Cube, the button that you want to click to keep moving forward is orange. Again, a minor thing, but you know that right there sort of underscores the fact that there there's a lot of different things beyond just obviously the language that go into the design.、Um, but yeah, so when you first start, you kind of create your own little minifig. And then、uh, it has you go through a couple of tutorials. Then you can eventually get into the different modes. So yeah, the 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 mode that I've been messing around with most has been sort of this open world mode that, if you've played Minecraft, will look very familiar to you. Yeah, for sure. I was noticing that as well. Just you know, you have all the terrain that's very similar, and you can, I believe, go into water, and you can, you know, go into caves, and and just it it looks very similar, but but it's unique in its in its Lego brick nature, isn't it? Yeah, you know, it's funny because there's a couple of things I noticed. So first off, there is built into it an ability to switch between first person and third person. But、uh, yeah, so you、uh, one of the things you do is you sort of wander around this landscape. Like right now, my character has a club in his hand, and what I'm looking at right now is this big open these plains sort of of fields with bits of grass poking up. And what they've done for the design, instead of it just being constant studs, what it is is it looks like it's sort of flat. Except every once in a while, you'll have an area that has I don't know, like a, a clutch of a little collection of four studs or eight studs or sixteen studs sticking up.、Uh, anyway, so you can go up to like let's say this tree. There's a tree here, and I can start smacking the tree. And as I smack it, a little meter starts to fill. And once that meter is completely full, 
Uh, it's taking this whole time to do this. What happens is the tree disappears and a whole bunch of stuff drops and my character immediately picks it up. Uh, when it drops, it looks like a whole bunch of little one-by-one -one Lego pieces and they all sort of fall directly into my inventory. Uh, and if I go into my inventory, I'll see that I now have 23 white Lego studs uh, along with all these other things. So I can, you know, I can go around knocking things down. I can also go dig straight down into the ground. And one of the things I used to love doing in Minecraft was, you know, sort of basically tunneling and finding all these caves and everything. All that's in there. You, you'll find like a lot of little Lego creatures running around. Like there's this little spider here that I recognize from theme sets I've built. There's goats. But, you know, again, this is just one of the modes. You can also go into other modes. Yeah, like the survivor mode and other things like that. I think what's so cool about the design is like what you said is it wasn't just kind of a one-to-one -one translation saying, you know, let's put everything down with, you know, studs and make it so, you know, Lego strong, Lego DNA strong, but let's find ways to create a unique aesthetic and to create um, kind of a, a polished design on top of it. And it feels that way. And I remember when you, you know, I was watching the videos of, uh, you know, creating tunnels and caves and you would also, you know, find precious kind of gems and things like that that you can, you know, put in your inventory and save and use for other things, obviously. And it was all built in this very um, sleek looking design. So you weren't overwhelmed by just looking at studs the whole time and going like, I get it. You know, we are in a open Lego world, you know what I mean? But it's 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 done very, very well. And, and of course, the lighting and the shading and the sheen on each of those kind of shiny uh, flat surfaces uh, all kind of play together. It's it's quite 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 remarkable. Yeah, you know, one of the things that, you know, we, we've talked to a lot of designers, obviously, over the last year or two about how they sort of translate Lego aesthetic and Lego DNA into a video game. And there's a lot of approaches, but um, I think the approach they took here is really sort of fascinating because it's not a world made entirely of Lego bricks. So, for instance, the sky is uh, the sky. It's not a Lego sky. There, the sun isn't made out of Lego bricks. It's just, and I'm, I'm looking, as we're talking, the sun is setting uh, and the sky has turned like a, a beautiful sort of peach color. And I could see the sun, you know, as, as with Minecraft, the time travels a little faster in this world. And I can actually see the sun sort of going down, um, standing in front of this river and the water is sort of looks like beautiful shimmering water and I could see the reflection of the sun setting and there's like these wavery reflections of Lego houses and, and Lego trees and it's gorgeous. And like that wouldn't work if, if you wanted to make the whole thing Lego. I think you, you need to you need to make you need to figure out where you want to use that and where you, you shouldn't. Yeah. I think that this is the sort of game that you know and and Sean talks about this in a few minutes uh, as we wrap up this episode. But this is a sort of game that whether or not it leaves China cannot help but bring with it its design, bring with it sort of a lot of lessons for the Lego group. And I really hope that those lessons will sort of spread out to future designs of future games. Regardless of what the future may bring in that regard, we do still feel like the learnings that we've experienced on Lego Cube and the great partnership that we've established with Tencent it's provided tremendous value to us back as a business and as a team and really paved the way for what's to come in mainland China and in APAC more broadly. In Ronnie's mind, a big part of LEGO Cube was not just the journey and research into how to navigate the Chinese market, but also learning how that fits into a global marketplace. I find it really fascinating that the scale of things today have reached a point where it's incredibly hard to sustain smaller products and services, especially as the type of company and brand that we are and at the scale that we operate. To do something small within a single territory, even if it's the size of China, is next to impossible. It's difficult to compete and get the economy of scale that a true global title or platform offers. That has been quite eye-opening. Another important lesson that we've learned is understanding how the value creation works in a constrained environment like that. How do we make sure that we create a service where both the creators, the operator of the service, and we as brand owner 
all benefit from each other's contributions? How do we allow players to somehow pay for an experience that they're enjoying in a fair and transparent way? Nothing really comes for free. And as a brand, we don't really want to go in the direction where players, kids and families in particular, have to pay with their personal information or through advertising. You know, business models where consumers get the perception that they're getting something for free, which of course is never really the case. Finding that balance has and continues to be a real challenge. And working on a tight constraints while experimenting with new approaches, some that worked and some that didn't, has been really valuable for us as a team. It's hard to add anything you know, specific. Uh, I've been working on this uh, project since I joined LEGO Games and work together with, uh, with Tencent. Uh, they have a, a team of uh, 70 people. Um, they are really young, energetic, and, uh, and they are really, really um, skillful and talented people from industry. Um, I can feel the passion of the team, the hard work, the focus. Uh, it's it's, a, it's a, a lot of uh, good memories. And I think this game itself is a really great, a huge engagement um, for the Lego brand with um, players and kids in China. Because let's say compared with other Western countries, Lego as a toy brand is a fairly new for Chinese consumers and players. And um, we all know for our toy consumers and, and, and also for the, uh, the younger players, kids are very busy these days. And they have very little time and playing games on the mobile especially. But for our game, I remember at the peak time, the average daily playtime per players is over one hour, which means, um, yes, so many players and kids, they spend over more than one hour to play on our game and engage with Lego brand, which with Lego bricks and, and all this fun part uh, in this game, which was very impressive. I'm really happy to see uh, we finally bring a Lego title fully developed for China in, in Chinese market. This is a really big learning for all of us, for our team, in terms of how to develop a really authentic Lego-minded game for this Chinese market and for the Chinese players. Bits and Bricks is made possible by LEGO Games. Your hosts are Brian Crescente and Ethan Vincent. Producing by Dave Tack. Our executive producer is Ronnie Scherer. Creative direction and editing by Ethan Vincent. Research and writing by Brian Crescente. Art direction by Nanan Lee. Graphics and animations by Mango Lindinger and Andreas Holzinger. Mixing and sound design by Dan Carlisle. Disclaimer voice is Ben Ungren. Openings child voice is Milo Vincent. Music by Peter Primer, FounderMusic.com, excerpts from the game LEGO Cube, and Enlight Lindstrand from the award-winning game LEGO Builder's Journey, which you can play on Apple Arcade, Windows PC, and Nintendo Switch. We'd like to thank our participants, Long Tsao, Mickey Feldgard, Nanan Lee, Sean McAvoy, and Ronnie Scher. We'd also like to thank Tencent Games and the entire LEGO Games team. For questions and comments, write us at bitsandbricks at lego.com. That's bits, the letter N, then bricks at lego.com. And as always, stay tuned for more episodes of Bits and Bricks. Bits and Bricks.